This is The Shift with Drex, on demand. Welcome to The Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's a daily bite-sized morsel of our four-hour middle-of-the-night program. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show, and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. The Shift Daily Podcast starts right now. Should we do some uh, Are You Okays now? I think this this seems like a good time to to Are Are We Okays? Are you okay? Are you okay with getting up close and personal? with a black leopard mm, i'll pass that's totally. a that's a predator no i'll pass cats are fast even the little ugly ones what little the little ugly, ugly cats can whack you like five times in a second i swear yeah but and it, so it, the big ones are bigger yes huh. a leopard endangers everything's lives around it so i i hang out with one um although let's give them a, a second just to salute the print of the fur well done iconic all right a florida man paid 150 dollars to get up close and personal with a black leopard is now suing the sanctuary that made it happen after the animal mauled him instead of submitting for pictures and belly rubs what a shocker Oh, man. Uh, it happened at a backyard animal, backyard, just saying, animal sanctuary in Davie, Florida, at the end of the summer, according to a report from Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. Uh, listen to this report from 7 News Miami's Jeff Lennox. This leopard, according to wildlife officials, left a man with gruesome and graphic injuries after an animal attack in Broward County. An incident report by the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission states 50-year-old Dwight Turner's scalp was hanging from his head and his ear was torn in half after being mauled by a black leopard. That's according to a written statement by the victim's wife. This is a picture of Turner's head bandaged, covering his wounds. The FWC report says it happened on August 31st at this home in Davie, owned by Michael Podgy. That's all I need, a couple pictures of the cage and the animal. This is FWC video, officials arriving after the attack to interview Podgy, the leopard seen in its cage as FWC documents the details on the case. This is the only entry point to the cage. The backyard operates as an exotic animal sanctuary and animal rescue known as Podgy's Animal House. According to FWC, the victim paid $150 for a, quote, full contact experience with the leopard. The agreement, according to the victim's wife, allowed Turner to, quote, play with the leopard, rub its belly, and take pictures. The report says when Turner walked into the enclosure, the leopard began growling, then attacked. While Podgy is licensed to own the animal, investigators say he did admit allowing the interaction to to take place was illegal. Misdemeanor citations were issued for allowing full contact with the leopard and for creating a dangerous situation, resulting in injury to a member of the public. Jeff Lennox, 7 News. You know what I find really interesting in the comparison between America and Canada in that story? Mm. It's we talk about, hey, are we allowed to have a chicken in our yard? <laughs> and in this story, this is a backyard exotic animal exhibit. That's the difference, my friends. Are there no waivers in this story? Like, I would assume you would have to sign a waiver before you enter this backyard and roll around an animal. The second the cat starts to growl, you get the F out. Yeah, I, I just wouldn't be there. <laughs> I just, nah, not for me. You bring that up, and it reminds me, there's a, there's a great story that's been, that's, I, I believe it's just kind of concluded uh, on the West Coast in, in, uh, in North Vancouver. Uh, there's been a year-long court battle uh, about and about owning pigeons. You know, not panthers or exotic, but pigeons. pigeons. There was there was a gentleman last year who I remember uh, in North Vancouver. You were formally allowed to own pigeons, uh, and a neighbor complained and said the pigeons are noisy and whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, so the city, the North City of North Vancouver passed a bylaw saying no more pigeons. But here's where the fun begins is the person who filed that complaint was a North Vancouver city councilor. Oh. And so that, you know, set off a year, an entire year, uh, multiple lawsuits, independent investigations um, about whether or not this ban should be upheld. 
and uh, just last month, now last month, uh, it has been overturned again because they figured, you know what? Let the man have his pigeons. Uh, it's good for everyone. Like uh, if one neighbor, compl- one neighbor is always going to complain about everything. Mm. There's always going to be one neighbor who complains about every single thing that you do. And that shouldn't be the bar by which we make, uh, you know, our bylaws or our laws, because one person says this is annoying to me when no one else has said anything about it. You know, this, this is uh, this is the world, though. It, it is it's the always world. that neighbor. Everyone's got that neighbor. <laughs> like everyone's got that drunk Uncle Bob, man. Everyone's got that. neighbor. Uh, drunkle Bob. Yeah. Drunkle. Oh, drunkle Bob. It's the way that it goes. Hello. I would prefer a white cougar, not a black leopard. LOL. I don't know what that means. Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Um, I think that you, um, I think that you're crazy. I mean, I like we've been to a place where they do the bears, where you know, the bear sits behind you and waves. But mm. the only thing that really keeps the bear out of the way there is, um, is like a wire, electric wire, one little wire. Mm. And then the, the the bear keeper. These are the kind of bears that show up in movies, right? The the acting bears. And uh, I mean, the the guy's got a shotgun like he's got a rifle right there with him um but there, i have a picture of kids of, of my daughter's birthday party sitting in front of a waving bear and in hindsight i'm like whoa that probably wasn't a good idea <laughs> but there's that and then there's you know a panther yeah there's a leopard hey, little, there's little timmy you know, literally a a wild predator who there's no real supervision in the way that there would be uh in that in the instance of the bear image um, it, it just, I don't know, man. And 150 bucks too. Like, is that all you value your safety at $150? Just get pictures. Got to feed the gram, man. <laughs> got to, got to get pictures of me, uh, rubbing this, uh, this wild animal's tummy. I don't know, man. It, well, you know, like and in, in the mountains all along the mountains, uh, in Alberta and BC, people pull over and they get their pictures when they see bears and elk and stuff on the side of the road oh, and yeah. they try to take selfies with the animals Oh no! And not thinking that they run fast. <laughs> I, I've I've never left my vehicle when presented with that that you know that situation. I, I've definitely pulled over and you know out the window, kind of shot a couple pictures, and then continued driving. But I am not going to step out of the vehicle and risk anything. Like it's, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's not worth it. I don't think it's worth Wait. it. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. Uh, I invite a guy named Mark from Calgary to call into the show. Um, this is why Mark says kind of weird that you start talking about the U S election, take one call from a caller, then totally change the subject to some bullshit. If you took your show serious, you'd be taking calls for at least a couple of hours to get real conversation going, get off the air. You low energy bum. I'll tell you what, Mark phone. Don't be a wimp and call in drive by texting. Doesn't do anything. I'll tell you what though. Uh, the reason why we took one call was cause that's what we had. We had one call there. And this was our regular scheduled piece. So, uh, you know what? The thing is for me with this is I, I often don't acknowledge. I will always reply, but I don't acknowledge these kinds of drive by insults because you know what this is? It's just like the internet. You go ahead and hide behind your text message and you judge the person who actually called in and had conversation. Just sit there. You're just like the old guys on the Muppets sitting up in the balcony. Get in the game. Use the phone number, 877-399-9898. I, I don't care if we agree. I don't care if we disagree. I don't. I'm not here to agree. I'm not here to make anybody believe what I believe. We're just here for good conversation. So if you want to do it, feel free to phone. I would love it if you did just that. In the meantime, we will continue with Are You Okay? I believe that this is the, uh, the part that Mark called the bullshit part of the show checks out all right are you okay are you okay with a restaurant saying that they felt hurt by the way a customer ate their pizza (laughs) they felt hurt (laughs) did they burn the top of their mouth (laughs) what is this story (laughs) i take full credit for this one oh man okay well then you're gonna have to explain how a uh which it's funny by the way the photo the photo, um, the photo really does it justice, and I'll tweet that out here in just a second uh, at Andrew, but worse. And you can also make fun of me for my stance on uh, whether or not we should be having Halloween parties. Uh, come at me. <laughs> come at me. It'll be fun. Uh, there's people who like to eat the crust of the pizza, and some people do not. That is the reason why the, often restaurants give you a little bit of dipping. 
Is it dip um, dip? A dip dip. And uh, they, the restaurant took the photo of the plate. <laughs> um, that was, it was in the UK. They took the photo of the plate of the pizza and how it was eaten. And it was eaten. Everything was cut with a fork and knife except for the crust. And it was all intact. A perfect ring on the plate. Yeah, it the, the photo is disconcerting to say the least. So just imagine, you know, for those of us who maybe aren't, you know, keen on immediately getting on Twitter and looking at this horrible, horrible, horrible site. Um, it's a fork and a knife in the middle of a plate, and the edges of the pizza crust are the only parts left. The entire actual pizza part of it is gone. Just the edge of the though. crust. And the, uh, the, the place that does it's called Honest Crust Sourdough Pizza. It's a restaurant in the UK. Uh, tweeted out saying, 2020, why do you want to hurt us so much? I wonder if it's because they're sourdough restaurant. I mean, maybe they put a lot of pride in the, in the pizza crust, you know? I mean, I mean um, and here's the thing that, you know, this article actually brings out here. You know, the crust is the whole part of the dough. It's not just the edges. So whoever this was, they enjoyed the crust enough to, you know, eat the bed upon which the delicious pizza toppings were. They didn't like just the doughy parts, though. Huh. I just, I don't know, it just kind of makes me a little bit sad. You know? Do you like the crust? you crust guy? Yeah. I'm ordering a pizza. I'm going to eat the whole pizza. It, you know, it's good. Or I'm going to eat whatever they give me. I just retweeted the image directly from the uh, uh, Honest Crust Sourdough. Hmm. It's uh have a look it's disconcerting all right take a little look i don't think i i don't think i've ever se- like i've seen some like pizza faux pas in my life like i've seen people leave the crust off like kids will leave the crust off and that's fine because as a kid i was like i don't want the crust there's no pizza sauce on it i've seen you know the worst kinds of possible dips used for pizza crusts uh i've seen questionable methods of eating the pizza uh, but i've never seen this before just a, a ring of pizza crust just left behind. Neatly cut away. The, the pizza-y parts of the pizza are gone. But <laughs> the yeah. crust is there. It's creative. <laughs> it just kind of makes creative. me sad. It's, uh, it's pretty creative. Okay, are you okay? Are you okay with pole dancing Halloween displays? <laughs> yes. Yep. Hmm. Uh, day after Halloween. I'm absolutely. And like, I, I know this is, you know, a Halloween holdover, but uh, yeah, I saw this and I, I couldn't resist this. This was too good. If, if I wasn't a parent, I'd be fine. But if I was a parent, <laughs> then you'd be you'd be up in arms about you should as the block community. You're like, what is this? And yeah, raise a ruckus. You never know. You might have all the moms and dads standing around the one yard. Going home. Wow. Tipping a drink. <laughs> um, all right. A Richmond, Texas woman was asked by local homeowners association to take down her display of skeletons. Here's the story from KTRK News Channel 6. It's a skeletal strip club, but the homeowner, Angela Nava, says it's hardly X-rated. The skeletons are posing as adult entertainers and eager patrons and they are getting a lot of attention in this richmond neighborhood but angela says all of the feedback she's gotten has been positive until the homeowners association sent a letter calling it all inappropriate and asking her to take it down an overreaction angela says this is my way of being creative and having an outlet and there's no harm it's there's there's no I'm not hurting anyone and really just, you know, take it easy. It's, it's okay. It's only Halloween. The HOA hasn't yet responded to our request for a comment. And Angela says they gave her until mid-November to take it all down, which is fine by her. She says she planned to take it down after Halloween anyway. She hopes until then, this display brings some laughs and reminds people not to take things so seriously. I left that tale of music in there just for the effect. You're welcome. Miss New Booty in the background. <laughs> oh, man. And that um, was actually what was playing on the speakers, I guess. <laughs> in the background. Okay, so so the, the, stripping, the, the stripping skeletons? Yeah, it, it looks like, like a strip club setup with skeletons. Um, which, I, that's pretty funny. I'll give I, 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 I really enjoyed it. I, I, I looked at that and I laughed and I said, you know what? If my neighbor saw that, I you know... I'd, I'd probably be like, hey, you want to have a beer in the yard? 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's talk you know, about your creative process. Well, the, you know, we, we do make jokes that every costume gets slutty on Halloween. And apparently you can make skeletons somehow be slutty on apparently. Halloween. Apparently. All right. Speaking of Halloween, here <sighs> we go, Andrew. Now's your time. Uh, COVID-19 <sighs> numbers are up. Gatherings, right? And then, of course, there's the new 10 o'clock shutter down time uh, in BC for the bars. So Halloween, partiers, um, Granville Strip, let's light it up. That's kind of what happened. Here's Grace Key with the report once again. Clearly no social distancing on Halloween night along the Granville Entertainment District. Extra officers were brought in. Police say partiers were mostly peaceful, but some had to be removed. One officer tweeting, group of us were just swarmed by an angry crowd on the Granville Mall after a street party erupted. Another tweeting, it was a Halloween like no other, complete gong show all around. Vancouver police say their response needs to be reasonable and proportionate to what they're faced with. Adding physically attempting to disperse the alcohol-fueled crowd or issue tickets wasn't appropriate. Although there were a number of occasions where the police were met with hostility from the crowd, our officers maintained a professional and balanced approach. The Alliance of Beverage Licensees argues the 10 p.m. last call order and shutdown of nightclubs isn't stopping crowds from gathering. Allowing us to get at least several thousand of them inside reduces the number of people on the street at any given time and makes it a lot easier for the police to deal with staggered crowds who are coming out of establishments, right? It's purely unfair. It's unfair. It just doesn't make sense. Chit Chat Burger Bar on the Granville Strip hired extra security on Halloween night and the owner says he may be forced to shut down soon. Inside we follow the rules, outside no rules, you know, no social distancing whatsoever. So for us restaurants to be penalized, you know, Dr. Bonnie Henry, please let us. We're going to go out of business soon. Police say there were a number of arrests for minor offenses with no reports of injuries. Grace Key, Global News. All right. So on Twitter, Andrew Ferreira had a few things to say about this. I'm not even going to ask if this is a are you okay uh, for this one. You know I've got a couple me. of <laughs> contributions um, to throw in there, too. So where do you land, Andrew? What, how did this? Uh, how did this one come up for you? Because, I mean, you were sort of down and around. Yeah, so so for those not in the know, the Granville Strip is just the unofficial name of a part of Granville Street, which is one of the main streets in downtown Vancouver. Uh, now, the Granville Strip is lined with uh, concert venues and restaurants and bars and nightclubs, right? It's kind of party central when things are normal and not pandemic-y. Um, and so last night I'm doing my job and, uh, where the, 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 the studios for global news radio in Vancouver are, uh, they're kind of right at the intersection of Georgia street and Granville, which is, which is one of the major downtown intersections. And from the vantage point of the building, you have a clear shot down Granville through the Granville strip. And as I was going to get a coffee uh, last night about 10 p.m. Pacific, I looked out the window and there was a lineup of cars going, I want to say maybe eight or nine blocks down the street trying to, you know, drop and pick people off. And there were literally crowds of people in the street, you know, not, you know, in small groups, but like a throng setting off, you know, fireworks. And my first thought was it's Halloween. Okay, that's fine. That happens. And then my second thought is, wait, global pandemic. Not sure I like that. Not <laughs> not sure I like that. So I got pretty steamed. And as, as you know, footage of this started to come out, all of the local news, uh, you know, broadcasters in Vancouver picked up on it and started tweeting out about it. Uh, throughout the night, um, we in the studio have a kind of uh, a monitor that shows what's trending on globalnews.ca. Uh, and throughout the night, the footage of what was happening in downtown Vancouver started to trend really high. And so I was like, you know what? I don't know how much more of this I think is good for you know us as Canadians, not even as, as people, to, to continue to you know, give a tentative green light to. We've been told you know, numerous times don't do what you're doing right now. We're not going to, you know, lock you in your houses and stop you from going out. But we want you to take responsibility as adults, as people who may or may not have parents, grandparents, friends uh, who are immunocompromised, who could be dealing with other problems, 
who could face a higher risk of contracting COVID-19 and not just contracting, but possibly being incredibly ill or God forbid dying from it. And to see that happening after, you know, weeks of cross country narrative being to not do Halloween parties, just don't do it. Like it's one year. It sucks. None of us like this, but for the, you know, the good of all of us, don't do it. And to see, you know, literally hundreds of people, you know, with party buses and limos lined up down Granville Street, taking people back. And you better believe me, those party buses and limos aren't social distancing. Um, It just seems to me like this is the perfect firestorm for something to go completely out of control. I think that, you know, in, in British Columbia, they'll be lucky if we don't see a massive spike in about 10 days. Because the amount of people that we saw... And from what I'm willing to gauge, the downtown Vancouver is party central for the lower mainland, the, you know, the group of cities in and around Vancouver. People come from all over, you know, they, it's not just a Vancouver only thing. Uh, they come from four or five cities away, an hour, an hour and a half, you know, drive, you know, to hang out because Van- downtown Vancouver on Granville is party central. So another worry that I had was, geez, if even one of those people was sick and they, you know... Maybe they cough on, you know, they cough, they, you know, cover it with their hand. They go to grab something and it spreads around. One person could have just made many people in multiple cities possibly very ill. Mm -hmm. And if this is not what, you know, what could, I'm not saying this will because I have no way to tell. I'm not a public health professional. I'm a person who works in the news media who has been subject to, Months and months and months of reliable public health information saying do not do these things, watching people just flaunt the rules because we're not being, we're trusting people to do it. And in Mm -hmm. my tweet, I said, I'm not sure how much more we can trust people because time and time again, we've, it's been demonstrated that people are getting sick and tired of this. The Mm -hmm. fatigue of not being able to do anything is wearing on people. It's wearing on me. I miss going out and doing things. I think I've gone out to do things once, and that was with one other person. <laughs> and that was with one other person. It's hard. Since it's February. hard on everybody. It's it, hard on everybody. It really is. But I think there comes a point where you have to look in the mirror and go, am I going to be part of what helps us, or am I going to be part of what could send us down a road that nobody wants to go down? I take... Part of me says it's not their fault. Uh, they make all the, don't get me wrong when I say that. Uh, yeah, they yeah, make no. all the decisions. They make all the decisions about their lives. They go out drinking. They do the things. I, so, I mean, they make those those decisions themselves. So, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that the rules that shut it down at 10 o'clock don't help the situation no, because everyone will drink more faster. And the party's not going to stop. No. People are going to just find other places to go. And I am not one for shutdown business. I am not. But when it comes to alcohol... And all of us have had that, have a couple of drinks, and I love you, man, <laughs> moment in our lives. <laughs> and, you know, the, the inhibitions change. And so it's just a fact. It's, it's, it's not a thing. But I, it's the 10 o'clock to me. The 10 o'clock is you can't have nightclubs and stuff allowed no. to be open until 10 o'clock. Drink your face off. Now get out. Now you're not the problem. It's the same reason why I always said that mandatory mask things, unless you're going to enforce it, you have to have a structure to enforce it. If you're kicking them out of the bar at 10 o'clock, then it you have to have a structure to be able to enforce that and make sure that everybody goes home. And that structure clearly was not in place, and this was proof of that. And if people are, if the information from Thanksgiving was was accurate, that so many people got sick from Thanksgiving gatherings, um, then now I don't know, I don't know the contact tracing data, but that is what some of the uh, the political people have said in the media. And if that's the case, then I can't imagine this not. But I will say one other thing is that when all the protests this summer did happen, although it was warmer and the science is different, um, those did not have contact tracing the exact same way. So we can cross our fingers and hope so. Well, and and that's the bottom line. You know, I really hope that I'm just overreacting, right? That I'm just, you know, somebody who is, you know, a little bit too worried and a little bit too fanciful about the data. You know, I hope that in two weeks I can say, well, I'm glad that I overreacted. Yeah. Uh, I would much rather overreact and freak out and say, look, people, even if this doesn't lead to anything, who's to say that the next time this comes around New Year's Eve is the next big, you know, gathering night that I'm thinking of? That worries me. 
Uh, there's a good text from Dwayne says not to make excuses for people, but I think people are tired. They're tired yeah. of COVID. Uh, they're suffering from burnout and pretty much like all of us are, and they need an outlet and they showed poor judgment. I think that's a good way to say that. That's, is that, that's that, absolutely right. And, but the, the, I mean, th- that's just a reality of the situation. I think that all of us have done it at some point for some of us, it could be going to the mall when we shouldn't, mm-hmm. or when we don't need to just to get out and walk around, go to the Apple store or whatever it is that we like to do. And for some of us, it's go get drunk downtown. So, I mean, I, I, I agree with you that it's not, uh, it's not probably not going to help the situation, but the reality is, is that, you know, uh, it's unfortunate, but I think that if you're going out drinking downtown, I think they're set up for failure the way the structure is. Oh, absolutely. So, the, you know, like, like you brought up before, you know, shoving people out into the street at 10 PM is you're not doing yourself any favors, yeah. uh, getting I, that through. Well, and to, and to everyone who always says that, you know, all oh, this second wave and this talk and shut down, I mean, the reality is very simple, is that acute care beds cannot handle the, the, how fast it spreads if people get sick. That, that's just that you do the math. You can do the math of the contagion. You can do a math of every single province and how many acute care beds there are. And, and it doesn't work. The math does not work. So um, it doesn't matter if you think that this is, uh, I'm going to die or not die or sick or get sick. Imagine if the hospitals are full and you had a heart attack, had nothing to do with COVID, and then you couldn't get a, a bed because of it. That's, that's what matters here. Let's go talk to Ryan quickly um, from Calgary. Hey, Ryan, now we only have a quick minute here, bud, for you to share your thoughts. Okay. So please do. Yeah, no, about this this whole 10 o'clock curfew thing in a bar, like, I've seen Tim Hortons shut down two hours early and stuff because of COVID. It, the chance of stopping someone from coming in that's sick within a matter of hours is so low. Like, if you want to stop it, don't let people in at all. Don't let, they should have ever let flights happen. Flights never stopped. There's, there's some flights going ever since it started. Like, the government has done nothing to stop this entirely. So why, you know, I, I agree. Um, but why do, why do you say about flights? I'm curious about that one because transmission on airplanes has been the research and the science that says transmission on the airplane is very low. But there were flights coming out of China for business trips uh, where this International flights. International flights. Yeah. It's different. It's just different. Sorry, the detail matters in that one. Yeah. So that, thanks for yeah, that. Yeah, and right. You're right. They, there, there have been daily flights coming out of, you know, uh, China into Toronto, right? Yeah. Like, it, it, they never did anything to stop it completely. Until it was too late. Yeah. Uh, Does it bother you? Do you feel worn out with it all, Ryan? Um, No, I mean, I I go out and do my, you know, usual stuff, the grocery shopping and stuff and the work, but I usually just stay home and play my video games, so I'm not really bothered by it. Yeah. I just find it tiresome. I look forward to the days where I just... (laughs) I'm tired of hearing about it. (laughs) What's that? I'm tired of hearing about it pretty much, but yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? I am too. And I appreciate you saying that because, you know, sometimes we talk about it and sometimes we don't. And sometimes we step away from it. And, and then there's a story like this comes up, which is an uh, interesting conversation anyway. So thanks, Ryan. You have a good one. Yeah, you bet. Okay, bye. Take care. All right. Thanks for listening. 877-399-9898. Ryan's got some good points, man. Some very good points. It also doesn't make sense to me that the, that the drive across the border is closed, but yet you could fly to the States if you want to. I mean, I guess it makes it less convenient and easy for people to come across. But the reality is, unless you're a central worker or Canadian, you can't do it anyway. So I'm not quite sure like how that even jives really, you know, like I I just, I guess I just don't get that part. I don't get it how you can fly across the border and everything's fine. um, But, and fly back and then isolate and you're good, but you can't drive across. Although the pilot project in Calgary that's happening right now um is uh, is interesting about the the immediate testing Very and what cool. kinds of things uh, could be changing there right i mean that that could be our future so yeah um rob says when i was 18 i thought i'd be dead by 35 and that didn't bother <laughs> me young people can vary narcissistic even without realizing it if you know what uh, to your point rob i don't know if it's narcissistic I mean, there, there's a level of a lack of self-awareness there, a naivety, if you will. But there's also this, um, when I was, I don't know, 22, there's no way I was following the news. I didn't know about tornado warnings until I saw a big storm, right? Like you didn't worry about the weather. You just went and did what you did. And so I think there's just an age thing where well, I, I just remember I didn't ever follow the news back then. So I don't know what it is, but you have a good point. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. We have a special guest joining us who's not usually with us on this day. We woke him up from his slumber to come hang out with us. Uh, Steve Stebbing, normally what the hell should we watch this weekend, mm-hmm. um, is joins us here on the Sunday night. Hey, Steve. Hello, Shane. It's, it's good to see you on a Sunday night. And yes, I am. I'm tired. This is not my usual time. 
Yeah, I know. You can only stay up so many nights a week. Right. Um, the, uh, the, uh, the news this weekend was heartbreaking. I thought mm-hmm. of you, Steve, because um, Sean Connery passed away. Uh, it looks like he's been sick for a little while. Not many people really knew. And, um, and some sad news. So I thought, what a great guy to bring on so we can learn a little bit more about Sean Connery stuff we might not have known and maybe tribute to a couple of his, uh, his coolest performances too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, this is a big one because, uh, I mean, when legends of this caliber pass away, it, it definitely makes you pause and remember uh, the great uh, movie moments that you, that, that you got out of, out of that actor. And yeah, I mean, we really didn't know much about what was going on with Sean Connery. He's been, I mean, he's been retired for, from film since uh, 2003's uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, and I mean, aside from, I think he was like spotted at like Wimbledon or something like that a handful of years ago, he was just like a spectator because he's a fan of the sport and everything. Honestly, I, I mean, he has been, uh, very quiet. Like we haven't seen him. It's kind of reminds me of Gene Hackman. We haven't seen Gene Hackman in a long time either since he retired and has been out of the, the Hollywood spotlight and everything. But that's, I think that's exactly what retirement is. It's just like, yeah finally being off the radar, not being followed by paparazzi and all that stuff. Well, and be able to just sort of take a break and maybe live a life. I mean, he was 90 years old yeah. when he passed away. And when you do the math on that, he was born in 1930. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's a remarkable notion because we've mm-hmm. just known him for so long yeah. to be part of movies, to think that he was born in 1930. I have a hard time um, you know, even considering that he was 90 years old, I mean, it was 1989. He was the sexiest man alive for people, <laughs> right? So that doesn't seem very long ago. No, what an era too, where in 1989, he's getting voted as the sexiest man alive. Um, and even, at, I mean, even at that, at that age, like, I mean, like, I think at this point it would be comparable to, well, Clooney maybe, but he, Clooney's even younger yep. than that. So yeah. Well, he could be, Clooney could probably be one of the next, really, Mm -hmm. um, that falls into this category. He was also sexiest man of the century. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. His first name is actually Thomas. I didn't know that until I started doing some research this weekend. So let's go backwards in time. James Bond is really the anchor piece of his career. Uh, He did that for almost a decade, I reckon. Yes. Um, And um, so let's get, let's go way back in time, Steve, and, and take us on a trip with Sean Connery. Yeah, I, I mean, the first uh, the first major notice of Sean Connery was like 1957's Action of the Tiger, uh, which uh, he was orig- he was supposed to be the lead uh, for director Terrence Young. Um, and uh, he, he fought for him to be the lead. And it just the studio would not back it and it ended up being this guy named Van Johnson, who's incredibly wooden in the movie and uh, lacking the charisma that that somebody like uh like Sean Connery could bring to it, but uh, it would be really notable because Terrence Young would go on to direct films like Dr. No, Thunderball, From Russia with Love, all with Sean Connery playing Bond in this one. So it would be kind of like a formative piece uh, to Connery's career and kind of start him on the role to all like very quick superstardom. I mean, if you think about it, uh, 57, uh, only a handful of years later, he steps into that that James Bond role, which would uh, make his career. And I mean, this is a guy who had so many different eras within his career anyway. So this just really kicks off the first part of it. Well, one of the cool stories that I had read about Sean Connery was that in his 20s, he basically had started working backstage at a theater to be able to make ends meet, right? Make a little mm-hmm. extra money. And then he heard about auditions and then decided to go, um, which is kind of an interesting notion that it's possible that he sort of stumbled his way uh, into this career that he had um, and and where it goes. So uh, that's a long time. James Bond films, where do we go there? Do you have a favorite? Do you want to start on uh, the James Bond or do you want to say well, that? Yeah, no, I, I mean, this is the next logical place to go is, is the James Bond movies. And I mean, I love Dr. No. Uh, Dr. No is a movie that I, I mean, with this new uh, No Time to Die coming out with James, uh, Daniel Craig, this it's kind of, I think elements of it are going to be re-explored. So it is such a huge part of the James Bond uh, series, uh, Dr. No. Uh, and Goldfinger, I mean, it's iconic. 
like uh, even the the Shirley Bassey theme song, like it all sticks in your brain. For me, though, it's from Russia with Love is probably my favorite of the Connery films. Uh, the gadgets are all there. The storyline is just such a killer little little uh, little Bond story. And I, I think at, by this point, because this is his uh, this is his second movie, he's like really stretching out his legs in the role finally. And, right. uh, and, and this is where we really start getting that James Bond feel. And I mean, every other performance, uh, uh, of Bond by each different actor all owes it, I think to this second film. All right. Well, let's get a clip first of, from Russia, uh, with love and Sean Connery. The second James Bond thriller could be more exciting than the first. Krilenko. So he's back. Another Bulgarian they use as a killer. Take a look. You should remember him. This man kills for pleasure. James Bond, that notorious, amazing Doctor No secret agent, is back. And half the world is out to kill him as he fits his murderous talents against the Iron Curtain and its velvet women. Well, I'll tell you something, Coltoni. You're one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen. I think my mouth is too big. No, it's the right size. For me, that is. From Russia with love comes Tatiana, fate for the trap. From Venice to Istanbul, from Paris to London, Agent 007 cuts an inimitable path through the palaces and boudoirs of espionage. James, you're hurting me! I'll be worse than that if you don't tell me. You're doing this under orders, I know. And what are they? Even if you kill me, I can say nothing. The other one that you said there, Steve, was Goldfinger. Goldfinger mm-hmm. has that sort of epic. Um, I mean, the name Goldfinger is just synonymous with Sean Connery mm-hmm. and James Bond. I mean, those yeah. really are the ones that that stick out, aren't they? Yeah, I think even if uh, people who are just kind of fleetingly uh, knowledgeable about James Bond, uh, also depending on age and everything, this is one of the movies that they're going to pick up on. I think beyond any of the other ones, except for maybe like the Brosnan, like golden eye, uh, just because the video game phenomenon with that one and maybe, uh, there was music, lots of music big, made that one big too. uh, Absolutely. And Shirley Bassey was a huge part of, uh, the draw to, to the, to these bond movies. Uh, but I think the craziest thing is even, though it's been so long since Connery started off this whole franchise uh, when it comes down to it, he's still kind of the first name you think of when it comes to the character uh, young or old uh, fan, honestly. Yeah. All right. Let's get a clip um, from Goldfinger and uh, Sean Connery's James Bond. This is gold, Mr. Bond. All my life I've been in love with its color, its brilliance, divine heaviness I welcome any enterprise that will increase my stock which is considerable I think you've made your point Goldfinger thank you for the demonstration choose your next witticism carefully Mr. Bond it may be your last the purpose of our two previous encounters is now very clear to me I do not intend to be distracted by another good night Mr. Bond Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. So not only with James Bond, Steve Stebbing, um, Indiana Jones mm-hmm. is kind of when he kicked into, kind of kicked into that dad mode. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? He got into that uh, super caring uh, actor that was kind and soft, um, still confident and really powerful, but he really settled into that that um, more uh, more soft dad role, hey? 
Absolutely. And it's really funny that, that you say that too, because uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade came out in 1989, that same year that you said that he was the sexiest man alive and everything, right. where he's playing dad to, to Harrison Ford in, in one of my favorite performances of his entire career. But it's really cool for him to, to join Spielberg for a movie because uh, I mean, uh, spanning the time that he left the role of James Bond uh, through the seventies and eighties, this guy was like a genre film uh, actor, like doing, like taking some serious risks in making some really interesting movies. Uh, I mean, uh, off, uh, off tape here, we're talking about uh, Zardoz, which is this weirdo movie from John Berman in 1974, uh, which took huge chances flopped so badly but it really took chances same year he stars in murder on the orient express which is you know agatha christie like classic mystery stuff but i mean uh, through the the beginning of the the uh, 80s and everything he had outland time bandits highlander uh the untouchables and then uh, this plum role in indiana jones which seems like it was made for him and almost made for like Spielberg almost made that movie for dads and sons to go to. My dad brought me to go see the movie. Mm. And it's one of those uh, cinematic memories that will always be like cherished. Like it'll be like in that top 10, top 20 movies that I saw. Cause I'll remember that experience and that the movie and Sean Connery's performance in it kind of, that's the whole that's the whole tether to it, you know? Yeah, Sean Connery and Indiana Jones. Here's a clip. Indy! Don't worry. This is kid's play. I'll be right back. Junior? Yes, sir. It is you, Junior. Don't call me that, please. Well, what are you doing here? I came to get you. What do you think? late 14th century Ming Dynasty. Oh, it breaks the heart. And the head. You hit me, Dad. I'll never forgive myself. Don't worry, I'm fine. Thank God. <laughs> it's fake. See, you can tell with the cross sections. No! Dad, get your stuff. We gotta get out of here. Well, I'm sorry about your head, though, but I thought you were one of them. Yeah, they come in through the doors. <laughs> Good point. But better safe than sorry. So I was wrong this time. But by God, I wasn't wrong when I mailed you my diary. You obviously got it. I got it, and I used it. We found the entrance to the catacombs. Through the library? Now, before that, you were talking about Zardoz, the <laughs> outfit that he wore in Zardoz. I mean, Zardoz, yeah. not only did he have like the, he had a wicked mustache. I mean, that it's dude. beautiful. This is long hair, in a braid. He's got his hairy man chest and kind of <laughs> like this, I don't know what you'd call it. I don't know what you call like a like sumo a, wrestlers, what they wear. It's like a mankini. Like it's, it's the pre-Borat mankini. You know what it I really mean? It really is. Like, like he's, Very similar. It's got like not only does it have like like it is leather is a leather g string essentially well not a g string but it's a leather like bikini like, yeah yeah it's a yeah. speedo right but it's he it, then he has like this bandolier thing because he's carrying some six, six shooters in this one yeah. and then he's kind of got this like crisscrossing like biker like. A chest piece thing going on in this movie <laughs> and i mean this is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the wardrobe in this movie because spoiler alert he does appear in like a wedding dress in veil in the third act of this movie uh, and and to explain it to you would take another 45 minutes of setup and i i just i i don't have the bandwidth to do that at this point <laughs> but it is crazy and i know that there's listeners out, out there right now being like i remember zardoz and like, yes, you do. Because once you've seen this movie, you don't forget you, it. It, it. It is in there. It's like clockwork orange. It is inside your eyeballs. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I, I can't unsee this image. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, SteveStebbing.ca for more info. 877-399-9898. What's your favorite uh, movie? Your favorite Sean Connery movie? Uh, feel free to text it in. Um, we've got The Last Crusade. We've got The Untouchables on here. 
Yes. On your list of favorites? Yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, I, I mean, uh, The Rock, that's another one, uh, him and Nicolas Cage. But I mean, the 90s, I mean, for, for him were really great. Hunt for Red October. Like, that's that, my favorite. So good. Let's get the clip right now. It's the Hunt for Red October. Kakovni but Pakaru. So funny. Well, the captain seems to think you're some sort of cowboy. New Paroski. Nimnoga. Paliazna znat stodum yet prativnik. Be pravdali. It is. I doubt you'd remember, but we met once at the consulate in Leningrad, along with your wife. I'm very sorry. What gives you the right to fire on my ship? Your signal said nothing of a torpedo. Ryan. It was necessary to maintain the illusion for your crew. My crew are being rescued, yes? As we speak. You sent the signal. That's correct, sir. Then how did you know our reactor accident was false? Well, that was a guess, but it seemed logical. Very well. I present you the ballistic missile submarine Red October. My officers and I request asylum in the United States of America. It's a pleasure, sir. Bart Mancuso, USS Dallas. Torpedo! The Americans are shooting at us again! Pitch is too high. The torpedo's rushed. Yeah, that was my favorite one that this I was is, so excited. I mean, I can watch that movie again and again and again. Every time it's on TV, they like stretch it out to like yeah. nine hours. Oh, for sure. And and if you think about it, you think about uh, we we're talking about how how Connery just just for, by him appearing in a movie can elevate something. Tom Clancy wasn't really a thing yet. You know what I mean? The 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 Tom Clancy thrillers being produced as movies and TV shows that wasn't a thing yet, and it really took Baldwin and and uh, Alec Baldwin and and Sean Connery's performances in that one to be like, hey, this is like the, a hot writer that we should be really following. Uh, at least this Jack Ryan story. I mean, of course, Baldwin didn't continue on in the role, but it set the landscape for Harrison Ford to take over, which is kind mm-hmm. of ironic with the Indiana Jones connection. Yeah, it is kind of ironic, isn't it? So what are some of your other favorites? Did you want to touch on Untouchables in the Rock or where do you want to go? Oh, yeah. No, let's let talk about those ones for sure. Because, I, I mean, I, uh, Connery was, like I said, he was a sought after guy. He was a guy that that could make his own moves within studio. Uh, studio Like there was no constraint to the guy. Like he could do whatever he wanted. So when De Palma's like, I'm going to make a Chicago gangster story, you know, Elliot Ness, uh al capone let's get really gritty who do we get for for a plum role in this one sean connery yeah uh just amazing um i i don't know i like i you often think about we often don't think about the depth to which these guys have been on mm-hmm. in these movies right um you know but when you start to really go and i always i always hate these conversations by the way because <laughs> we, we 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 don't compliment the guy when he's alive no. And we always wait till, till till they die, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those things that it's like, well, we probably should have done this while he was alive. Well, um, but, but here we are. I, but, I mean, he did, uh, I mean, he did get his due for this one because he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor that year and he won it. So, I mean, the, this was pretty much the one time where we were going to give uh, Connery exactly what he deserved. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's an iconic role. It is such a, a brilliant role. And if you think about that year that he was up against Denzel Washington for Cry Freedom, he was up against uh, uh, Vincent Gardenia for Moonstruck, Albert Brooks for Broadcast News, and uh, Morgan Freeman's for Street Smart. Just that grouping of actors uh, who probably all at some point in their career looked up to a Sean Connery performance in their in their lifetimes. Uh, um, yeah, I, I mean... It, it would have been highway robbery if he didn't win that year. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you talk about him in the studio, though. Can you imagine if Sean Connery would say that he wanted to do something? I mean, who says no to Sean Connery? No, Sean Connery says no to you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I, I mean, it, it's funny uh, that he was just an actor's actor. He he wasn't he wasn't looking to aspire into jumping into to directing anything or or writing anything. He just you know, he saw a role he liked, or if he was approached by a role he, uh, he liked, he would just take it on. And I, I mean, even as a producer, uh, he only has 10 credits to his name. So, and, and I mean, this, this didn't come until like the early nineties really when it started. So, I mean, he was just really interested in go, showing up, doing his thing and getting yeah. the hell out of there. Yeah. And being badass in the meantime. Absolutely. Um, uh, Michael Bay uh, has made, <laughs> sent his comments out, you know, saying, you know, this guy was a legend. Mm. Um, mm. You know, there's all kinds of different, you know, directors, you know, that have, that have done that. But let's get a clip here from The Rock. I thought I'd been in the service a long time. Name and rank, sailor. It's army, actually. Answer the question and address him as General Sir. Captain John Patrick Mason, General Sir. Of Her Majesty's SES. Retired, of course. You're a long way from home, Captain. How the hell are you involved in this? Oh, I have a unique knowledge of this prison facility. I was uh, formerly a guest here. Did they bother to tell you who I am, why I'm doing this? Are they just using you like they do everybody else? All I know is you were big in Vietnam. I saw the highlights on television. This is not combat. <laughs> It's an act of lunacy, General Sir. Personally, I think you're a fucking idiot. SteveStebbing.ca, that's where you can find out all the information about Steve. What the hell should we watch this weekend? If you don't know Steve, because you're listening on a Sunday, and this is uh, you don't maybe listen on a Thursday slash Friday morning, that's normally when Steve was with us. Um, so thanks for popping in. Hey, anytime, anytime. It's I'm been always time. ready. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, it is sad news. Sean Connery passing away, the age of 90. Um, this weekend, his wife did say that um, he passed away in his sleep. He was in the Bahamas at his home, and he had been struggling with dementia for the last bunch of years. So uh, hopefully peaceful for the man, and grateful we are for such amazing movies and the entertainment that he gave us. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Tune into the show online or on the radio. show content and clips from the shift with drax go to the canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime history and the paranormal since 2017 the award-winning dark poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the great white north and beyond delivering chilling tales from a uniquely canadian perspective Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.